Here we meet again, radio listeners. You've arrived at episode 16 of Post Poet Pop, live from the one and only Art FM, 97.1 WXOXLP, here in downtown Louisville. And we are going to hold this space to feature the poet and scholar Olivia Munes. Olivia is a disabled writer from New York who won the 2022 Gatewood Prize for the poetry collection I Feel Fine, published by Switchback Books this year, and which we will be putting under the spotlight today. Olivia was an undergraduate at New York University and went on to earn an MFA in creative writing from LSU, where she received the Robert Penn Warren Thesis Award in prose and served as an editor for the New Delta Review. In I Feel Fine, Olivia writes, Here is your brain on music. I'll give it to you, Einstein. I'll take you on a boat and make you watch it sink. Do you believe me now? Is anybody alive out there? Can anybody hear me? What you can't see here is that the first sentence ends at the word on, and the next sentence is just the word music. Or at least that is how the punctuation seeks to redetermine our literacy throughout this book. There's a symbolic formation in Olivia's poetics that doubly represents what the prose is pushing forward, namely that the life of a disabled person remains a life both equal in stature to any other human individual, but endures challenges not faced by most. The period in her sentence structure symbolizes the multiple fulcrums that Olivia has and continues to face. You will hear today that it took Olivia years and years of a frustrating journey through a medical multiplex of doctors who struggled to get her to her more recently given clinical diagnosis of Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, EDS, which generally speaking affects the body's connective tissue, but that does not at all tell the entire story. When the body's connective tissue is affected by the mechanism of EDS, it causes severe pain, frequent, that is, daily migraines. And in some instances, it can make a person's blood vessels so fragile that they can harden and fracture or break. And this is all mostly new information, like within the last decade. New clinical understanding also finds that EDS can potentially be tied to neurodivergence and fibromyalgia. So Einstein, we're here to take you on a boat ride, and we're going to sink that boat so you can better listen and acknowledge. Thank you for being here. Let's get into it.
It took me 10 years to get my big umbrella diagnosis of Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. So I was 26 when I got that, and it it took a lot of time. And it was this thing that I was very hyper-focused on. I was so determined. I realized at some stage that I had to become my own doctor. They were just not going to help me. They were not going to solve this. I collected all my medical records. I was dating a doctor at the time, so he was translating some of it for me, which was very helpful and helped direct me. I, I created a list of possibilities, and I moved through it. It was very time-consuming. It was very financially and mentally draining. But I got my diagnosis, and I put a lot of faith in that. And I didn't feel the level of validity that I wanted, particularly in the medical setting. I was very nearly immediately dismissed. It's a clinical diagnosis, so it's not one that's backed up by quote-unquote hard data. It's not a blood test or anything. It's just diagnosed really by feeling, uh, right. doctor's touch. Deciding. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and I just, the, the more I've sat with it, the less certain I feel in our understanding of it and uh, that's a hard spot to be in, to be like, oh, the the medical community simply doesn't really know much about what I'm dealing with. Like, there kind of is no hope except in future possibility. And I don't have a firm stance now of where I am. And, and it, this is totally right, even though I do feel that it's right. And, you know, the system, the capitalistic system we're in has been impossible. So it's that's that was a difficult few years after being diagnosed to reckon with the unchangeability of my conditions but it did also open a ton of new avenues and around the same time they created the first ever migraine preventative amovig was the first one that mm -hmm. came out i believe it was june of 2018 mm -hmm. i was 25 migraines a month i'm down to five now and so it, it has had like very different shapes of my life. 
and you enter into different states of being too. The the way that I was when I was migrained, I can't even access that anymore. I don't know how I survived it. I don't know how I had a job. I don't know how anything that happened. And I've had the same thing when I've had very long periods of being bedridden, and then I've entered periods into I, I have quote unquote more normal levels of functioning. And then to lose it, I've had that, which has been very devastating. It's very similar to the awakenings by Oliver Sacks when uh, patients get them who are essentially frozen. I forget the name of the condition, but they can't move at all. And they were figured to be, you know, not really conscious in their bodies, but they they were. That was the regrettable thing they found out. They were fully conscious of everything, of their lives slipping away, and they regained functioning. And then it, the efficacy of the medication slowly went away, and they froze back up again. And I had a very similar thing happen to me, which was very devastating. Um, it felt like my life was taken back, that I'd finally gotten again. And so that was this this kind of cyclicality too. Of you move through these different states when you're sick, and these different, not even just head spaces, but just your overall way of moving through the world is very different. And you normalize certain things when you're in them to survive them. But it does it moves and it shifts. But a lot of the feelings, like the benefit of being sick for a long time, is it becomes very familiar to you, knowing. Like, there is a sense of knowing where you are and knowing what's going on even when you don't know what's going on. You know, I used to sit next to this person at work, and they have your condition. And they would have to leave work all the time. And then it got to a point where they had to, like, um, mandate their hours. You know, no more, no more, like, overtime, no more weekends, stuff like that. They ride the subway you know, they endure the noise and probably the bad air. It's like there's zero components of the infrastructure that are set up to make living. It's really difficult with employment. I was in one job that was a very bad job and they would deduct half day. You know, they were very old school, very strict. They would deduct half days if I'd leave for two hours because of a migraine or something that was totally unsustainable. I just got very lucky working for a company, a very small company where I would lie on the couch every time I had a migraine in the office and just keep working or I'd come in late and they, they trusted me to do my job and I never, you know, I was unreliable with anything, but that's part of the burden of disability too, is you have to be this exceptional employee. That's how it is with writing. Like my, pace of writing is so slow and I don't even know that that's uh, accessible to other people I don't think they notice it because I I work really hard to have the rate of productivity that I have and make do with what I can but it's it's hard and like the literary world doesn't support disabled writers particularly materially you know there aren't a lot of fellowships dedicated to disabled writers and I've spent fifty thousand yeah. dollars on healthcare in the last ten years. Where where is that space for us? It's not often there. So it can be yeah, it can be really challenging. And also just like living in a culture where being a prolific person is a compliment. Um mm-hmm. you know, is is funny. 
Here is my brain. It is writing this for you in Times New Roman to make us both feel better. We feel even. Here is my brain.
Here is my brain on drugs. No eggs this time. Only the good ones. The doctor ones. Perfectly legal. I feel fine. Perfectly regal. I don't feel pain. The earth is rotating on its axis and so is this room. And so are you. We are fine. Welcome to my book. Here is the world. We are in this together. The body pulls in toward itself and toward all of us. That is all we need. Am I doing this right? Where was I again? Here is the body of water that you were looking for. Take a drink. Kiss the mirror. It will last longer. Don't forget to call the pharmacy again. Here is the state of things. We are in this together and the room is moving with us. How nice. How orderly. How together we are. I love you for being here with me. We think about hopscotch and that's fine enough for now. I offer us a cold beverage. We love cold beverages, especially when it's hot out. How nice. Here is the fire place. It's warming us up. We needed it. We feel safe now. We breathe it in. The smoke, that's good. We're sawdust. We love this stuff. We're so happy we're here. Did you see the moon landing? Here we go again. It's hurtling toward us. Look out. That was close. Let's take a bath. Let's promise each other we'll never bathe again. That will make us proud. That will make us eat peaches. It doesn't matter what we think. We forgot to call the pharmacy again. Here is your brain on music. I'll give it to you, Einstein. I'll take you on a boat and make you watch it sing. Do you believe me now? Is anybody alive out there? Can anybody hear me? Here it is. We've been looking for you, and here you were all along. That's the nature of it, we figure. Hide, and we'll seek. Do you think we can find it by smell? Should we bake cookies? Can we find our way home from... Here is an orange. Let me show you how to slice it. First, you take an orange. Then, you stick your thumb in it. Then, you hold it up to the moon. This step is important. Don't think about it. Think about orange juice. Think about swallowing. Spin it like it's the earth. Now you can eat it. Here is that memory I wasn't looking for. You brought it back all of a sudden in a little tote bag. I had forgotten all about it, and now here it is. What a surprise. Did you bring a gift receipt? Here is my dusty balloon. I unpacked it just for you. It will stay put if you let it. Give it a kiss. Here's your hat. What's your hurry? 
Here, I'm giving you an out. I'm giving you an out. Well, if you don't want to take it, that's not on me. Here I am. Surprise. I got you this time. You should have seen your face. You looked like an icicle. You hardly knew you were dangerous. You keep dripping in my eye. I shouldn't keep looking up. Let me know when you spot the moon. Here we go again. Here I will read it back to you. So do you love it? You can be honest. It won't hurt my feelings. Well, you could have been nicer about it. Here are my keys. Now get lost. Here you went. I let you die without asking. I could have done it. I could have made it easier for all of us. But here you were, and I couldn't say a thing besides, no, I am not my mother. It was too late for talks about the Great Depression. Our Great Depression. I don't know why, but I knew. I will save them for us forever. We will live on forever.
I feel fine. I feel it all. Welcome back. You're tuned into Art FM, Louisville Zone, WXOXLP 97.1, and 100.9 WXND. This is Post Poet Pop. I'm your host, Ken L. We are featuring the poet Olivia Munes on this episode 16. And I'll run you through the first set. We started off with Nika Costa's Everybody Got There Something. And then we heard from Olivia discussing Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. That was followed by Fiona Apple with Sleep to Dream. And then Olivia read an excerpt from the book I Feel Fine, published by Switchback Books this year. And then, yes, that was followed by Feist with I Feel It All. Here to tell you about Tip It Forward, a nonprofit organization based in Louisville that works toward whole health for everybody. Tip It Forward is on a mission to provide equitable, trauma-informed whole health care to underserved individuals, families, and neighborhoods, and does so by utilizing its Plus Bus, which is a mobile wellness clinic alongside a crew of clinicians. You can learn all about Tip It Forward by visiting T-I-P-I-T-F-O-R-W-A-R-D, tipitforward.org. Later today, from 6 to 8, catch Aaron Conaway with Rough Draft. I hear Aaron's out here on a tour. He's in town. Was sorry to miss him this week. So catch Rough Draft. It's a blend of music seldom heard by the masses. Punk to hip-hop, freeform jazz, and whatever else may present itself, including paying homage to the great music that comes out of Louisville. We're going to keep things rolling here on Post Poet Pop. We're going to keep hearing from Olivia Munes. And we'll hear some great music in between. Thank you for tuning in to Art FM. I want to start out talking about the word fine. Etymologically, fine covers a lot of territory. It can be a ransom or a penalty in archaic French. It's linked to delicacy and skillfulness. Historically, it's tied to ends, limits, boundaries, things that terminate. And then, of course, you have like the colloquial phrase for the title of your book. And considering how it migrates from the title of your chapbook, I'm just curious about how you arrived at the title for the book. Yeah, so the the original title was Where Was I Again? And then that ended up being the chapbook title, and I didn't think about it. I didn't anticipate needing to retitle a full-length book. So I felt very stumped when it came time to find a title for the full length my publisher i think it was elise suggested i feel fine as one of them and i sat with it for a few weeks and i belabored it for a bit and then finally i think it's you know very fitting for this book where i didn't make a ton of intentional choice but just grooved along and paid attention to what was happening it was the the only title that i felt fit and i ended up being really happy with it sometimes people see it and they laugh so i always like to start off with a good joke Um, (laughs) but i think it it encapsulates the book pretty well i mean it's it's a pretty ridiculous phrase it's a a strange way to lead into something because you don't you don't really believe that if you're declaring it in that way right off the bat. Shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. 
at some point when you get to this part where you read, here is that memory I wasn't looking for. You brought it back all of a sudden in a little tote bag. I had forgotten all about it, and now here it is. What a surprise. Did you bring a gift receipt? And that made me think that the speaker of the poem is like this phrase that I once read um, from Marjorie Wellish, a we of me. And, you know, because at first it, you're, you're obviously like, there's a lot of addressing and being addressed. Um, but it really hits kind of a peak when you get to that part. And it's almost like there's, you were kind of just talking about it a second ago, like there's a settled blame. There's an acknowledgement that's also in being funny. But there's also kind of a cutting avoidance, maybe even fallibility. And Definitely. Um, I'm really interested in, in the I and the you as being these these vessels that just contain all of the selves and all of the others. Um, so often the I is talking to multiple yous. It'll be sometimes its own self. Sometimes it'll be an other. Um, for me, as a writer writing on behalf of this speaker, sometimes they were specific people in my own life, multiple people in my own life, myself. Um, and I, I really liked that that multiplicity that it allowed for because I think that's what being alive is and we are often having to reconcile those tensions of all these different versions of ourselves that are or could be um and having to be in dialogue with the self i think it's something i've had to be included into because i've have this strange relationship to my body that's sometimes very contentious and resentful and sometimes just extremely dependent and sometimes have to trust in it more than anything else, trust in its wisdom more than anything else.
my second note here is to talk about the periods throughout the book and their placements. I, I felt like in many instances, they were like beautiful little micro meditations. The earth is or of things. The earth is period or of things period. And it, it made me feel like the perspective of, of the speaker could both be overly controlled or even a speaker who is disintegrating, like breaking down, not in an emotional sense, but in a mechanical sense. You know, I mean, I know that you must have chosen this this approach to prose poetics. I can't even remember how or why I wrote in that way. Um, I think the context of me writing the book was important. I, I wrote it while I was bedridden and I was mm. taking medication that augmented my already neurodivergent associative fatigue um, etc etc way of thinking um and so i was really just letting my brain go in whatever direction it was going because i couldn't force myself to write so i was just letting it have some space and do whatever it wanted to do and this is what it did um and i think I kind of make sense of it more in retrospect as a, a disruptor, that period, a disruptor and a fulcrum, which I think is how the brain works too. Sometimes a, a thought stops mid thought and it's just poofed and gone. And sometimes you just associate to some new area and you go in that line of thinking. And so I felt like it was often doing both of those things. So it was just disrupting that line. And part of it is an interest in play. I've always loved that possibility of enjambment and throwing it onto a line. And then there's also the, it's the only point of, you know, it's the only punctuation mark in there. There are no question marks or exclamation points. And so it really alters the the affect a lot too, I think. And it creates a an, un, an uneasiness like you were describing. There's... There are these declarations that feel very assertive or aggressive, or there's something that should be said with a ton of enthusiasm or something else, and instead it's just kind of flatly declared.
you know, there's this other moment. Um, you you kind of have like there's all these layers of symbolism, and now I'm thinking about it because of of what you said just a second ago. Uh, I think there's a line. Um, let me know when you spot the moon. Here we go again. And that's also the poem where you slice into an orange, but then you also kind of like plunge your a thumb into it. And it felt almost like the speaker was slicing the orange and then kind of ruining it as like a treatise on a body or something like that. Yeah, I mean, even in those things, I think um, there, there are these recurring nouns or people call them images. I kind of call them nouns and you know just those phrases that you have let there in that first section and then it becomes its own section its own refrain in the last section um and i just like those subliminal recurring things those echoes um, because i think that's really what ourselves are comprised of these weird little haunting bits that don't seem to actually matter but are are pretty definable just so much of your poetics there's, there's like this I don't know. I mean, it's exhaustion to some degree, or like when you're exhausted of something, like you've you've breathed out all you can of it. You know, there's this, let's leave the door open for returning that and getting rid of it. And then also like, let me go ahead and like, go down this slide into this pit once more. Um, but at the same time, the language of it starts to kind of like build its own infrastructure. Yeah, I think with illness, you're you're forced into this cyclical way of being alive, and I th- I think that's the, the the biggest part of the infrastructure of this is that cyclicality rather than a linearity. So part of that cyclicality, just in the basics of your life, you know, you have these emotional undercurrents where you're just exhausted by what you're having to deal with. It's so monotonous. It's not even interesting anymore. I think that's been the most challenging part of being very sick for me. And, you know, over a long period of time, it's just how boring it is. And it's relentless. It's just so monotonous. It's so uninteresting after a while because there's only so much you can really think about it. And you have the same thing physically. You know, you're if you're chronically ill, you're going through those same things over and over. Sometimes it's slightly new. but Sometimes it's just the same exact thing. And so you you belabor it, you know, you think around it and you're having to solve these things, you know, what can I do to feel better? Or what, well, you know, what's the response here? Or how do I feel about that? How do I move around it? How do I structure my life around it? And you think it to death and then you're over it and you move in some new direction and you think you're done with it. And then you, of course, have to deal with it again. And that's what being alive is, you know, it's not exclusive illness you're always kind of thinking through the same stuff and dealing with those same recurring things in your life whatever they are and and you do exhaust it but then you also you know you have to either you give up or go on living so you just continue on with it
suck my sweat And I love how I'm living cause I cough my fill But I can't stop thinking how it's all gone wrong Then the cracks will be obvious before too long I've abused my position and it cost my friends And if the world keeps turning I could do it again What's the matter with your next door neighbor? I heard he had sex drugs and danger But you could kick it with a complete stranger My repetition is this. Welcome back to Art FM, Louisville Zone, WXOXLP 97.1. You may also be tuned into 100.9 WXMD, ArtXFM.com, and the newly updated WXOX app worldwide. This is Post Poet Pop, episode 16. We've been featuring the work and conversation of the poet Olivia Munes today, and I'll run you through the second set. We started off with Olivia discussing the title of I Feel Fine. That is her book, latest book, published by Switchback this year. We then heard from the Chiffons with One Fine Day, followed by a little discussion on the gift receipt of self. And then we heard from the Body Snatchers with Easy Life, followed by a discussion on the prose form in the book I Feel Fine. 
and then Gallant with Weight in Gold. Then we discussed relentlessness and monotony, especially when it comes to being a person who's disabled and endures disabled life. And then, yes, TV on the radio with repetition. I want you to stay tuned when I finish out this set today for Anon Anon Radio with Glossy Goblin, and then keep it locked after that for In Orbit with Nathan Simmons, 12 to 1 and 1 to 2. We are here to keep you wordsy and weird on Art FM Saturday. I also really want to deeply thank Olivia for appearing on Post Poet Pop. It was a real joy to talk to her. I learned things that I never knew, and I think that's what we got to keep doing. If you want to learn more about Olivia's work, go to her website. It's oliviamunes.com, O-L-I-V-I-A-M-U-E-N-Z.com. Find out more. She's doing a lot and working on new material, too. But definitely check out the book, I Feel Fine, from Switchback Books this year. I've got two pieces left for you today. We're going to do a quick top five questions with Olivia, and we'll finish out the day with the great nun like Nina Simone covering Leonard Cohen's Suzanne. Thank you for tuning in to Post Poet Pop and Art FM. Have a great day. What is your favorite sandwich to make for yourself? Oh, I make um, a turkey sandwich. I've been making this all the time from ingredients from Whole Foods. They have a really great rosemary sourdough, though. So I'll have that, and then they have a truffle mayo. I'll put that on with honey roasted turkey, lettuce, and tomato, and it's so good. That is, yeah, That I got to get that truffle mayo. It's very this good. is. This is the personal question for you. What is your favorite hat that you own? I'd say my favorite hat is probably I have a black wool beret, and that is what I always wear throughout winter because it's very warm and cute. So the big two. The big two. Cute and warm. Wine, beer, a type of liquor, or something else? Something else. I'm sober. Good. Okay. So a a soda, a ginger ale. Love it. Ginger ale. Good for the stomach. Good all year. You get one album to listen to for the rest of your life. What are you going to listen to? Oh, that's hard. That's a really hard question. Wow. I always say Suzanne is my favorite song. So I guess I'll have to go with songs of Leonard Cohen. (laughs) <laughs> All right, fifth and last one. Tell me about a few books you're currently reading or, you know, books you've recently come across that you're excited to read. I have been telling every writer I encounter to read Concealed Words. Um, it's a book that just came out this year from Black Ocean, and I'm blanking on the author's name. It's a Korean translation, but it is just so wonderful. It's sort of dense but also totally accessible there's just this really expert conflation of the body and language and space and it's just really great i've also for some reason haven't read um sarah manguso's first poetry book so i'm in the middle of reading that right now which is predictably wonderful this great book of hers that was like a diary sort of 
Is it um, Ongoingness? That's it. Yeah, it's a great book. Yeah, that's really wonderful.